0: All right, Pats
1: Nation, it's time to go behind enemy lines and get ready for this Thanksgiving night delight with skull out at U.S. Bank Stadium, a place most Patriots fans...
2: Oh, is that That's right. I, that bring, I bring my own damn sound effects to the nice. podcast. That's right.
1: I can't even introduce our guest for our Minnesota Vikings preview without him you don't actually... That.
0: You don't like that!
1: Oh, this is amazing. Nice. He's got his own soundboard. He's got his own sound effects. I was like, wait a sec. We had technical difficulties before this got going. And this guy's sound that's right. we, that's right. we, We've now.
2: hacked into your Patriots podcast with skull chanting. That's what's going <laughs> to happen here. Yes.
1: <laughs> I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, it is an honor and a pleasure to record the Behind Enemy Lines Vikings preview portion of today's podcast, which we record on the 10th anniversary of the last time the Patriots played on Thanksgiving night. That's right. We're recording on the day of the butt fumble anniversary with us today. The director of Score North, the podcast host from Purple Daily, one of the top 15 podcasts talking football in America right now. And of course, the unofficial CEO of Vikings Twitter, the one, the only Phil Mackey joins six rings and football things. Phil, I'd ask how you're doing, but it uh, sounds like you're doing pretty well, all things considered.
2: Uh, all the the 40 to three ass kicking. Uh, I think I feel like the reason why Purple Daily is in the top 15 is just trolling Cowboys fans wanting to listen to. They just want to hear Vikings fans cry from, you know, 48 hours ago and just laugh and cackle. Uh,
1: f- listen, Phil, honestly, like Andy and I are both native New Englanders. We're massholes, Right. And, you know, part of the whole entire thing about, you know, why do we have such hard hearts and why are we such difficult people is because, like, secretly, like, spite and schadenfreude are two of, like, the main components to our soul and what keeps it, <laughs> like, it's not about joy, it's not about making sure that we, us, and ours are fulfilled and happy, it's more about, so long as they're miserable or at least as miserable as us, then, <laughs> then things are good, like, I sneakily will tune into sports radio of whoever the Patriots may beat, like, the day after as well, because, Let's be honest. There's a little something satisfying about that. So for you, it's like
0: because
1: I'm an a-hole, and I'm not going to What am I going to start apologizing for it now?
2: So for you, it's like if a uh, if if the if the Red Sox win, great. If the Patriots win, great. But if a Yankees fan gets hit by a bus, then okay, now you now your day has, not not dead, but like you know, just yeah. uh, you know, 24 nice. hours in the hospital or something. That your day has been
1: made. I'm sure you grew up as a die-hard Vikings fan with a similar adage. Like in New England, it was always. You know, I got two favorite teams, the Red Sox and whoever's playing the Yankees. And I'm sure for you as a Vikings fan, you got two favorite teams, the Vikings and whoever is hopefully beating Aaron Rodgers.
2: Yeah, I think well, one of our favorite segments every week, you I, well, every week this season, usually it's only three times, it's a Packer event line where we just pull crying Packer fans from postgame shows around Wisconsin. <laughs> and it's been a fruitful business this year because I think they've lost more times this year than the last two years combined. And so... Uh, so yes, it's been a combination of celebrating eight Vikings wins, however they've gotten them, we don't know, uh, and seven sad Packer fan Sundays. Yeah.
0: All right, so, so let's, let's just get with that. Are yeah. they as good as their record? Are the Vikings as good as their eight wins? You sound like you're a little dubious. Um, I would
2: have said before the Cowboys game that so, and I am as I'm I'm an analytics guy through and through. I am as nerdy when you want to dive into the numbers as anyone. And so I was I was trying to find ways when they were eight and one to sort of justify well their point differentials not that great but they've been great in the high leverage situations late in the fourth they were like I think they're the highest scoring team up until the last couple of weeks uh inside 4 minutes of each half for instance so they they turn it on when they need it and Kirk Cousins has become Kirk Cousins actually has more fourth quarter comebacks since the beginning of last year than any quarterback in the league. We used to mockingly refer to him as Mr. Game Winning Drive when you would get the one per year, you know, between 2018 and 20. He's actually been really good in those situations. But uh, to answer your question, they are not as good as their 8-2 record. They are the only 8-2 team in the history of the NFL to have a minus point differential. So um,
1: That's insane. Like, that is so difficult. If you say you're like a stats and analytics guy – I I can guarantee you that nothing that Nate Silver or any of the other like Elon Musks of football social media could put together that would find a way to have an eight and two record six games above 500 and have a negative point differential.
2: Yeah, I feel bad for Tony Romo and Jim Nance, too. They sent the CBS a team all the way up to Minneapolis. Here we go. Vikings, Cowboys, five minutes into the third quarter, not the fourth quarter, five minutes into the third quarter. And James Brown comes on from the studio and says, "Basically, we're so sorry for what's happening. <laughs> we are so sorry. Uh, we're just going to kind of awkwardly slide you into Steelers-Bengals now. And you have Tony Romo and Jim Nance doing a regional broadcast for like an hour and a half. <laughs> it's uh, ridiculous. Uh,
1: so, so what uh, you mentioned it? Uh, you mentioned it earlier. And Andy and I were doing the post-game show covering that crazy Patriots win at the last second with the Marcus Jones punt return." And we have on TVs in the studio, and both of us were sort of side-eyeing that game and just constantly updating the audience like, oh, boy, um, the team we're playing Thursday might be really angry. It's 34-3, to and it's not that close, everybody. Like, it was, wow, what the hell happened? What happened Sunday?
2: Everything. Uh, It was, was, you know, so the Vikings, the the other loss that they had this season was to the Eagles in Week 2, Monday Night Football, if I'm recalling correctly. Um, 24-7, the, on, on paper it looked like a blowout, but you could kind of sit there after the game and pick through, okay, well, yeah, it looks bad, but the tight end Irv Smith dropped a wide open 60-yard touchdown pass, so that would have been seven. And then, okay, the Vikings got into the red zone and Jefferson ran the wrong route and Cousins, it, it, it would have been a touchdown pass, but it turned out to be an interception in the red zone. So so then it's that's 14, but you could kind of play that game you can't really play that game against Dallas. They just got completely obliterated in the trenches. Uh, the other problem too with Cousins and and I am not I'm not blaming Cousins for this loss because I think he faced a 60% pressure rate, which remember Patrick Mahomes running for his life in the Super Bowl 3 years ago? Yep. That was like a 35 or 40% pressure rate and we were all like, "Oh, what's the guy like what's he supposed to do? He's running for his life." Imagine that but worse for Kirk Cousins, who's less mobile. So I'm not blaming him, but once things start to go poorly, okay, there's a strip sack, 30 seconds in the game, Dallas is getting pressure. He's not going to be the guy that just puts the team on his shoulders. And so um, there's a very specific game flow the Vikings need, and maybe the Patriots can provide it, which is Vikings jump out to a lead. They can kind of lean, you know, they can pass rush against a young quarterback. Um, when they fall behind, generally, I know they have a bunch of fourth quarter comebacks, but it's it's going to be really hard for them to just like be down 17 points and come back and win. The Patriots might not be able to score 17 points, so that's good news for the Vikings on Thursday, I guess.
0: So I was reading the uh, Justin Jefferson post game comments, criticizing or seemingly criticizing Kevin O'Connell for not adjusting the passing game. You talked about the pressure; I think Cousins was sacked seven times. And Jefferson said, you know, where was the short passing game? Let's get rid of it quickly. We didn't adjust. Is this the first maybe uh, adversity that the young uh, whippersnapper coach is facing in his first season here?
2: Yeah, it, it probably is. And I, and I saw those comments, too. We played that clip from the quotes look way worse than the clip. Oh, okay. he's not really calling. I saw the quote first and I was like, whoa, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, but th- especially compared to Mike Zimmer, who is just kind of cantankerous and lost the locker room the last couple of years. Kevin O'Connell owns this locker room in a in a good way uh, it, 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 some of the post game like he gives out game balls like any coach does after games and it's like he's a player giving out game balls to fellow players because he's only 37 years old so he's he's a, his personality and demeanor is such that I think even with adversity I don't think he's losing the locker room I don't really read anything into the Justin Jefferson quotes but you know one of the big storylines for me this week is it's already a short week you're coming off getting your ass handed to you by the Cowboys and you're facing the greatest, smartest coach in NFL history. Now you guys might pick Nitz. I don't know where you stand on Belichick the last couple of years, but you got a rookie head coach who's 37 on a short week against a guy that knows what he's doing on a short week. So um, it's not the greatest. It's not the hand selected opponent that I would choose to bounce back four days after getting beat 40 to three at home.
1: But at the same time, and this is what provides for a fascinating wrinkle in a, in a series of wrinkles that should make this one hell of a, th- a Thanksgiving night game uh, is the idea that Kevin O'Connell, I'm not going to say he knows where the bodies are buried. and doesn't still have like a company pass card, but he was drafted by Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick the season after the imperfect season in new England was with them for a little while. And obviously Belichick understands him. At least he did as a quarterback. Now how his offensive mind works may not be the same Phil because You know, he adopted more of the Sean McVay system as he spent time with him, obviously, out there and won a Super Bowl last year. But there seems to be a lot of mutual respect between the two. Belichick's not surprised by the success O'Connell's having. O'Connell obviously said he owes a lot to Belichick. So all that being said, what is Minnesota saying about or what do you think Vikings fans are saying and feeling about the team on the field? Because even Mac Jones said to our radio station the other day, like, that matters more. It's, you know, it's not the coaches battling as much. It's not, it's not, you know, Mac versus Zach it's Mac versus the defense. So what do you guys, what do you guys think about the Patriots offense and their struggles recently?
2: Yeah. I'll come back to that in a second. I do. I I was reading some quotes from Bill Belichick at some point. I think it was like someone dug up quotes from when Kevin O'Connell was released back in, was it before 2009 season? I think they released him. Um, Yeah. I think it was a short year
0: in, it was one year in.
2: And Brian Hoyer wound up being on the roster instead. Yep. And I'm pretty sure I saw, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't have these in front of me, but Bill Belichick praised Kevin O'Connell and said something like, you know, he's going to make a career out of this, if not as a player, as a coach. And imagine being like one year into your NFL career as a third, not even like a seventh round draft pick. Wasn't he a third round draft third pick? Round pick? Yeah. And you're, you're one year into your career and you're being booted from the team. And he's saying like, you're definitely going to make a living, not as a player. <laughs>
1: And he nails it, and like yes. a second and a half later, he freaking nails
2: it. He did, and I think I think it's I think it's going to wind up being a great hire for the Vikings. But um, on the Patriots side, the thing that the Vikings should be the most worried about is you're, they're going through a stretch right now of of like facing four of the five best defensive pressure defenses in the league. So the Commanders get pressure; they beat the Commanders, you know, down by double digits in the second half. The Bills. And then obviously the Cowboys, the Patriots on that list, they get the Jets then. And, you know, people can sit here and make fun of all oh, the Patriots and the Jets can't score points. Yeah, but you just put up three points against a great pressure defense. So they might not have to score many points, 10 points, 13 points. If you can't score a touchdown against a pressure defense. So, you know, offensively. You can sit here again and say, well, Mac Jones, you know, the off the Patriots offense isn't really moving the ball. So but the Vikings defense is 30th in the league in yards per play allowed. They get gashed even by backup quarterbacks. So um I'm not if, if I'm the Vikings and and fans here, I'm not gonna get too haughty looking at this game as the antidote to what happened against Dallas. I actually think it's it's more of the same formula with the defense that you're facing.
0: So it's gonna it's gonna be a problem. So I think Patriots fans, on one hand, look at the roster for for the Vikings and say, wow, there's a lot of talent, offensive talent on that roster. Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, you know, it kind of has all the pieces. It's sort of like when people watch the 49ers, you're like, wait a minute, you have a wide receiver, a running back, a tight end. And then they get to the quarterback, a lot like the 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo, who we know and some people love around here, isn't the most respected quarterback who's gone to a Super Bowl in the NFL Kirk Cousins, I can't tell you how many times I've heard, well, at least we get to play Kirk Cousins in prime time. So where is Kirk Cousins right now? Because I look at his numbers, they're not great. And even the offense as a whole is probably not as good as the talent might suggest. So is this going to be Kirk Cousins' prime time layup for the Patriots' defense?
2: It's such a weird dynamic because he's putting up, like you said, the worst numbers of his career – even though he's got probably the best coach in terms of just like an offensive-minded collaborator. Mike Zimmer didn't start meeting with Kirk Cousins on a weekly basis until their fourth year together. And it was Cousins' idea. He had to drag Zimmer every Thursday into a 45-minute meeting. I'm sure Zimmer was just like checking his watch after every five minutes. Okay, can I go back to my defensive meeting? So he's got all this infrastructure. He's got a head coach that collaborates with him. Mm -hmm. Justin Jefferson's, I think, the best wide receiver, or at least one of the two or three in the league. T.J. Hawkinson is the best pass-catching tight end they've had in a while. The offensive line was atrocious against Dallas, but it's the best the offensive line has been in a number of years. And yet, he's putting up these ridiculously terrible numbers. Mm. Um, He's making up for it, like I said earlier, in these high-leverage spots. He's just sort of coming alive when they need him. And and some of that is just his willingness to throw 50-50 balls and being aggressive down the field to Jefferson – I, I, it, we broke down the all one of the uh, shows we do on Purple Daily. It's a weekly uh, it's a weekly show with Alex Boone, who's a 10 year NFL veteran. He started a Super Bowl with the 49ers, played for the Vikings. And, uh, and we did a breakdown with the all 22 film of the one handed Jefferson catch. One of the greatest catches we've ever seen, right?
1: Ever. He outdid Steph Diggs, who had a one handed catch for right. the ages just two quarters prior.
2: Yep. And, uh, and so if you look at that from a zoomed out perspective, TJ, It's a 4th-and-8 team. TJ Hawkinson is the underneath route, and he's being ignored, rightfully so, because he's like five yards off the line of scrimmage. But we both said at the same time, wow, for the first six years of his career, at least the first four years with the Vikings, he throws the underneath route to Hawkinson because he's open and just crosses his fingers and prays that Hawkinson can yak his way to the 18 yards you need for for a first down. And if not, you know, Hey, my fault. I completed a pass, uh, you know, whatever. My completion percentage looks good. Right. But, beca- but he threw it into quadruple coverage to Jefferson, which was likely to be intercepted, but that's the right throw. So he's doing more of that stuff that I think is making his numbers worse temporarily, but it's giving them a better chance in some of these big, you know, third down, late in the game, whatever. <laughs> so that's the best way I can sum him up is him being better in those situations is better for the team than him being great on the scripted drive and him being great, you know, in garbage time, um, but melting when it matters most. It's better for the team this way.
1: Hmm. It's very interesting, Andy, because I feel like in a lot of ways that reflects how Mac Jones could or should Absolutely. be playing. That's i I'm what sure I you. Thinking. Yeah, I'm sure we're hive mind on this because, you know, that's the thing. Is
0: like we you can't know the think- differences though. Mac has been told to throw the 50-50 ball. The problem is the guy on the other end is not Justin Jefferson. That's no. the problem, yeah. That's yeah. the problem. Yeah, Devontae <laughs> Parker, Jacoby Myers, no.
1: Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, not nec- not quite even in the same league or ballpark as Justin Jefferson, who, Phil, is easily wide receiver one in the NFL this year, and it's not even close. I don't even want to know what he's going to get paid when his payday comes. Like They're going to have to invent a new rare stone for him to put on his grill because diamonds won't be expensive <laughs> enough that kid is going to bank it so hard and he should. And he's like one of the guys, like I love to watch as my kids are getting more into football. Wouldn't surprise me one day if like, you know, my kid, my oldest boy asked for a Justin Jefferson Jersey and I would get it for him. First, I would scold him for not wanting a Patriots jersey. <laughs> What's wrong. You don't want a Jonah Smith Jersey.
2: <laughs> don't, don't, you,
1: don't your kids want
2: Kirk cousins chains. Isn't, I feel like that's the, you, I, I listen
1: this to me, like, I know this is a thing everyone loves to mock, but for some reason, I can't get enough of it. Why does Kirk Cousins, as the dad who accidentally stumbled into the stash of Molly doing the shirtless dance on the airplane, <laughs> like the greatest <laughs> vibe ever, just... doop to do, and then he shut it down. He shut it
2: down before the Bills game. He said, hey, we can't have that stuff going on on Instagram anymore. I think I'm going to retire Kirk O'Chain's. It's like, dude, you just lost 40-3. to Clark Kent needs to go back to the phone booth back. for this game against the... Yeah. I want to see... I want to see, after a Vikings victory, Kirko chains, 50-yard line shirtless, and two giant turkey legs in each hand after they beat the Patriots. Doing a
1: new dance with each of them right there, just, like, taking them down. Yeah, That's what you have. Like, that's the thing. I want people. We, Andy and I, I think a lot of Patriots fans get tired of just, like, we call it Bella speak, you know, just everyone like, well, we got to be better, we got to do our Uh, job, uh, you know, uh, and then the players reflect it. Built sometimes, you just want to hear people say, like, yeah, this shit isn't good enough, or just like, we weren't good enough, or F this, or just like, yeah, you know what? Kirko Chains really wants to bust out a turkey leg after this game, and we're gonna have to beat the best coach in football history to do it. And I, and I, it's nice to hear that the fans respond well to it. Um, but before we go, uh, I always like to get a feel for you know, like, there's the guys, and obviously, that's Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook. Then there are sometimes the other guys, and maybe that's Hawkinson. Obviously, we're familiar with him, and Madison looks like Cook whenever he goes in there. If they didn't wear different jerseys, you'd say it's the same guy. Who's one guy on each side of the ball that are like the guys we don't know about who may pop or do something special Thursday night? Well, I'll give you one that that actually
2: won't pop on Thursday night, and it's it's going to be a huge factor in this game. Uh, the Vikings have one of the three best left tackles in the NFL, Christian Darrisaw. He's a second-year player. He was a first-round pick in the 2021 draft. He didn't start until, like, week eight or something in 2021. And whether you go off, like, PFF grades or just or you just watch games and he never shows up with a penalty or anything, uh, he gave up his first two sacks of the season in that Dallas game. He He was knocked out of the previous game with a concussion, went through protocol, came back, and then – Got knocked out again with a concussion in this game. He's out on Thursday night. So the Vikings are. If he was in, I would tell you that's one of the best left tackles in the league. Some interesting matchups off the edge there. Uh, I don't know what the hell the Vikings are going to do. Blake Brandle is like a seventh-round pick that he gave up five pressures and a you know a blowout half uh, taking over for Darius. So uh, that's one of them on the offensive side to watch out for. On the defensive side, um, I I would say. On the interior, um, Harrison Phillips came over from Buffalo. Buffalo was kind of his revenge game. The, the the Bills sent him off into free agency, and he has been one of the more anonymous, underrated players, interior defensive lineman, in the league so far this year. But I don't know that he has been enough. I, I think they just they, they lack a lot of depth on the interior. And Dalvin Tomlinson is the other starting interior defensive lineman, and he's been out for a few weeks with an injury. He may or may not play on Thursday. Um, so I think like, there's just some key guys that may not play that are going to make a huge impact for the Patriots potential success.
0: So who do you have? What's the, uh, what's the prediction,
2: man? Um, we haven't done our official, so I haven't put a ton of thought into this specifically yet, but so Thank I'm just going to, I'm just going to wing it off the top of my head yeah, here and that's, say, that's,
1: that's what we do all the time. Anyway, it's
2: fine. I'm going to say, uh, take the under on 42 and a half. I feel like. Wow. I'm trying to do math on how this game gets to like the mid 30s with the Vikings offensive line being what it is and the Patriots offense. This feels like a race to 17 points.
0: Those are called so, Patriots games this year. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> That's I know. what I was going to say. <laughs> Patriots and Bron- like... if the
2: Patriots and Broncos could just play every week, Whoa. it would be a oh s- 17 God. 16. I'm going to say I'm going to say the Vikings do get back on track in a hideous football game that <laughs> winds up being like so, 16 okay. to 13 or 16 to 10, something like that. So Sounds like
0: a Patriots game. Yeah. Hideous football is something we know about for 59 yeah. minutes and 35 <laughs> seconds last week. Yeah. And uh, by the way, d- this just in, I don't, I know you probably don't have a
1: pipeline to uh Kevin O'Connell's headset. Probably not the best idea to punt it directly to Marcus Jones with the game on the line. Yeah. And then it, yeah.
2: That's a that's a good that's a good piece of strategy. I will definitely write a strongly worded letter to Kevin McConnell here.
1: <laughs> By the way, do you guys
2: have to change your podcast name every like six months? I know it's been a rough year and a half or whatever for the Patriots, but you know, is that, do you have like the seven rings, eight rings, artwork <laughs> lined up
1: for vote. Like
0: Belichick yeah. does it with his boat every few years. Like, yeah, we've, yeah, we've
1: taken a lot of guff for like naming the podcast Six Rings because it's like, wow, what a what a boast, what a, like what a flex that is. You know, it's a cocky move, and at the same time, it's also like, yeah, well, I, I don't know. It might be stuck be on that for a while. We yeah. might, we might be, we'll there be there for permanent. a while. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we
2: actually we actually launched our podcast back in 1960. It's it was called Zero Rings, this Vikings podcast, <laughs> and the name still holds up. <laughs> That's yeah, good. but there's
1: a lot of other teams that'll wrestle you for that belt, so you better be ready. Get, <laughs> get <bills>, Kirko yeah. <laughs> Kirk chains ready to maybe uh, throw down on that one. <laughs> Phil, it's been an awesome time previewing the game with you. I actually think it's going to be a bit more of a high-scoring affair for some oh. reason. I think something's going to shake loose between the two. I can see both teams randomly getting into the 20s. Uh, I think it's going to be an awesome game. Judon may feast, but if, if Justin Jefferson does get that direct pipeline to head coach, Kevin O'Connell, the short passing game could be in play. You could take advantage of a linebacking core that isn't so terrific on the Patriots or Andy says kind of blows. Uh, (laughs) So I I think it's going to be a thriller any which way everybody make sure you give him a follow. It's at Phil Mackey on Twitter as well. Part of score North purple daily is an excellent football podcast. You want to be a part of that as well. And hopefully you Patriots fans do not end up on the episode where he plays crying Patriots fans after the Vikings (laughs) pop. possibly beat the there it is the skull heart hey Phil have a happy Thanksgiving as well my man uh take care of yourself we'll hope to catch up to you down the line
2: awesome thank you both appreciate it we'll see you uh see you in the Super Bowl someday maybe we'll see you yeah. someday probably not soon <laughs>